Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Talking Comics Podcast. It's Wednesday, September 30th, 2020. You're listening to episode number 462. I am your host, Steve Say, and joining me, as always, is Mr. Bob Ryer. Hey, Sarah, are you all sparkly today? (laughs) As you can see, Sarah is also here. And Aaron is here, too. Present. Yay! We're all here. We're all here. We're all exhausted. We're all angry. But we're here to do a podcast for you and for us, because this is our time, too. Time to get together, talk about whatever's going on, and uh, go off the rails in more ways than one throughout the show, which I'm sure is going to happen a lot. Uh, We got... Lightning rounds, of course. Uh, I think we got two new stories coming up later in the show. Uh, definitely going to be talking about some music because this past Friday was outrageous for that sort of thing. I will uh, regale you with some of my tales later on in the show. So just to put this out front uh, real quick, I had done the thing where I went on our Twitter account and I was like, hey, we're recording early this week. Why don't you send us your questions? And some people got back to us, including Chris and Faulty Wizard and Maddie P. And we thank you so, 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 so much. I regretted putting that up the minute I did it. (laughs) Don't really feel like doing (laughs) questions this week because it's been that kind of week. I will explain more later. Uh, But we do have your questions. We do really appreciate everybody interacting with us. And uh, some of them, to be honest, some of them really do require a bit of, uh, they were not last minute before the podcast questions that we could answer. There were ones that require a bit of thought. And So uh, so we should give thought to thoughtful questions. Exactly, exactly. And I'll say right up up in the front again, uh, Maddie P., if you're listening, your top stories question of the past three years you're looking to get into books, I think it was uh, issue... Or episode 459, where Bob had asked what was everybody's top 10 TC runs of, like, the TC era. I would point you in the direction of that podcast, because that was, we very much went into some of our favorite runs from the past several years. And honestly, anything that you find listed in that portion of the show uh, is something worth picking up for sure. So, so we kind of just did that one. So I don't know that we're going to go through it again. But honestly, there's a lot for you there if you want to go back and listen to that episode. So, 
we were going to do some COVID catch-up, but I think we're, we're a little bit against the clock today. But uh, I'm just going to assume that everybody's fine and nobody's angry about anything or worried about anything and that we're all, <laughs> you know, just, well, everything's well, just daisies. Well. Yeah. Um, we, we joked a couple of times about everyone's order of being called on here <laughs> and I, I i mentioned to aaron uh the great football player gail sayers who's uh, the, the movie brian's song is based on his relationship with brian piccolo and who had written a book many years ago about his struggles called i am third where god is first my friends and family are second and i am third well gail sayers passed away this week and he was one of my heroes oh wow oh. and what was wonderful about it, it, it's sad, he was 77 years old, so still sort of young, and I think football led to his demise or dementia, is going back and look at the old clips of this guy running. No one has ever been more exciting with the football. And I mean, he scored six touchdowns in one game in a muddy rainstorm disaster <laughs> somehow. He could literally split himself in half like an amoeba, it seemed like, and just go straight ahead and cut completely 90 degrees. Wow. I don't know how he did that. Uh, so look up some clips. But in, in a tough week, sitting for what seemed like two hours just watching football games from the 1960s, put a real smile on my face. So um, you'll be missed, Gail. Thanks. Aw, that's lovely, Bob. Very nice. <laughs> Speaking of NFL legends, I am looking at the news right now. And did you know? That somebody, a home intruder, tried to steal Joe Montana's grandchild, and he <laughs> put a stop to that shit real quick. 2020, y'all. So <laughs> Joe Montana subdues alleged kidnapper of grandchild at Malibu home. Just tackled that. <laughs> Jesus, what is happening? Be like, oh, no, you don't. Starts going on Liam Neeson from across the room and just like, <laughs> oh, man. So, got to count on those Notre Dame guys. They'll do the right thing. Yep, there's your there's your your sports news for this week's. <laughs> there you go. Sports ball, sports ball, football. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. That is insane. Yeah, it actually is Sunday. We are recording on a Sunday, so there you go. So appropriate. So appropriate. Did, um, mm-hmm. did anyone have former NFL player stops would be kidnapper on their 2020 bingo card? No, <laughs> no. Right. I did have mur- I, I did have murder hornets, but I didn't have that one. <laughs> Yeah, right. Brain eating amoebas. Yes, that I, I I could I could picture that one. Meteor about to strike on the day before election day. I didn't. I have to admit to that one. Oh God, man, this year, I tell you, I tell you. The TC awards they happened this year. Yeah, they did. Yes, in and they'll happen again. They'll happen again. Yeah, they'll happen again in some form. We've been we've been talking behind the scenes about what we're going to do, seeing as we lost about three to four months worth of uh, releases this year, we're probably going to put together a shorter presentation um, for for the end of the year stuff. We're kind of making maybe a new category or two, cutting some of the old ones, uh, but we are, that's something that we're just doing for this year, hopefully. You know, now that comics are coming out at a steady clip, next year's uh, will be different, and we can reintroduce some categories. But um, yeah, we're hey, just... look to bring it back around to sports ball. It's what they did with Major League Baseball this year. They only played sixty games. The last day of the season's today, 
but they had a season and they'll have a champion. So we'll do the same. Uh, Cut the season down and we'll name some champions. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of 2020 bingo cards, did anybody have Vin Diesel releases a summer jam at the start of autumn on their <laughs> no, card? No. He has released a like technotronic jam called Feel Like I Do. Uh, he debuted a, a piece of it on the Kelly Clarkson show this past mm-hmm. week. Uh, it is now available to listen to in full on Spotify. Does he nope. croon? Does he croon? No, he doesn't. Uh, here, oh, that's okay. too bad. Here's I would thing. love to hear the. I, I could picture him being, you know, Barry White or something like that. Well, here's the thing. Like they, they definitely have thrown some kind of an effect on his voice, but he is very obviously into it when he's recording the song. Like he's obviously got passion for this stuff. He's he's a he's an interesting dude. Like he makes video games. He plays D and D. He does the Fast and Furious films and, and whatever else. But like, he'll be singing and he'll be grooving along. And I got to be honest with you, it's not the worst. It is certainly better than Jeremy Renner's jam from earlier this <laughs> yeah, year. Well. Uh, that thing was was horrific. But um, this is not absolutely terrible. But every now and again. He'll go like full diesel. Like it's like somebody forgot to hit the vocoder and he just it comes out and it's like, well, there it is. There's there's old Vin. There's Groot doing his thing. But yeah, it's totally like laying next to the pool, sipping on a drink through a coconut with the shades on and everybody's around partying and everybody's beautiful and definitely has that vibe to it. Drive it driving down the boulevard with the top down, letting the wind blow across his his chromy dome. Nope, nope, I'm out. I, <laughs> I am 100% in. Yo, I don't know if, if audio can come through on this, but I'm kind of tempted to play it a little bit. I don't know that it'll record for the show, though. So just, it's called it's Feel Like up. I Do. Go, mm-hmm. <laughs> go and listen to Vin Diesel's new, new his debut single. Oh my god! All right. Hey, why not? Hey, I, I, all these Marvel people seem to want to put records out. I discovered just last week Brie Larson made a couple of albums years back, and I guess the Scott Pilgrim days. Oh, she has yeah, a lovely yeah. voice and plays guitar and everything. It's, wow. Yeah, uh, yeah, and then uh, Eddie Murphy's party all the time has been going around on Twitter for the past couple of days, and boy, is that song an earworm! I, I listened to it one time; it's been in my head ever since. <laughs> Produced by Rick James. Yeah, he's in the video. He's having yeah. a grand old time. Everybody's really into Eddie Murphy <laughs> doing his thing in that video. It's hilarious. I love it. All right. Okay, I'm not going to lie. I'm listening to this Vin Diesel song in one headphone now. This is a banger. Right? Right? <laughs> I am there. I am poolside. Cafe de Mar, in Ibiza. Bring it. It's, like I said, <laughs> it's not the worst. <laughs> I'll tell you what is the worst though is the um the album cover on Spotify. That yeah. that is terrifying. Close up of his face, so like a picture he took at three a.m. when he was totally drunk. <laughs> <laughs> it probably is like half the chin's gone. There's just a lot of nose happening. Yep. <laughs> like eyes are mostly closed. Wow, that's amazing. That's a banger though. I'm keeping that. It's a it's a mood. It is definitely a mood. <laughs> I love. It. Look, you gotta you gotta find the little things. In this year, you gotta you gotta pick through pick through the cereal to find the prizes. Sometimes, 
As nope. the tattoo I had done recently says, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, indeed. Yes. Okay. Let's, uh, for the for the people that came here for comic books, let's do some lightning rounds. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, Aaron. Yes. Who? What? I oh. rolled the dice and your name came up. I put oh, everybody's oh. name in a generator and I clicked the button. That's how I'm doing it from now on. <laughs> All right. What was the question? No, I'm sorry. Okay, let's go. <laughs> uh, would you like to do a lightning round? Oh, I thought that was my lightning already. All right, are we gonna get? Am I gonna get special lightning, or is that just overarching lightning? All right, all right. That was like a loogie. What was that? What was that? Anything <laughs> goes. It Whatever was, it, it takes. Was, it was a complete downpour just happened. Yikes! All right, someone clear their throat. Um, all right, no, so that. all right, go ahead. A couple of things, a few things actually. Uh, so this week I, you know, sort of did the comicsology roulette, sort of a let my baser instincts decide some things I might find interesting. And I came across a book that I think came out uh, in February. I think they started coming out, and I think obviously they uh, got a little bit of a a break there with everything going on. And then I think they're going to start picking up again. So it's called hidden society. And there's only three issues out and it's from dark horse. Um, the team, what really sort of drew me in was Raphael uh, Scavone and Raphael Albuquerque, because I've always loved Raphael Albuquerque's art. So I'm just going to read a little bit about, uh, you know, what the description is and then talk a little bit about what the, the story is that I've seen so far. So it's a new series. from those guys, uh, basically it says hidden from ordinary eyes. There's a world alongside our own, Full of deities, demons, and danger, where magic wins out over science and dark secrets lie in wait. Ulu, the last wizard from Hidden Society, enlists the aid of a blind girl and her demon, a young magician, and a cursed bounty hunter in order to stop a group of nihilist warlocks from waking the society's greatest nemesis. A primeval force that unchecked will uh, scorch the planet bare of all life. Ooh. So, yeah, party on. So <laughs> basically, I wanted something, you know, again, with everything going on, I wanted something escapist again. I always loved Raphael Albuquerque's art. And, you know, I have a soft spot for this sort of uh, magical Ocean's Eleven type thing, as I've discussed with a previous book that I, I, I talked about. Um, and so I just figured I would just dive right in. There's only three issues. out. I think this is a total of four. So I think the next one's coming out next month. Um, and it was good, you know, and I've always had a soft spot for, you know, Harry Potter, you know, Sansa transphobia, but that's another topic. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I, I like the story. I think I have to say though, what I'm, the story is essentially what it says right there in the, in the description, you, you know, it's getting the gang together, figuring out what their roles are, figuring out who the, the, the big bad is, and then figuring out how you're going to stop it. Obviously there's, you know, this scenario, that's a the common, you know, story thread that there is a previous generation of, of, heroes if you want to call it that are chosen that's sort of leading into the the this current generation of heroes and getting that band together um my only thing is as it's only four issues and i just read issue three i really feel like issue four is really gonna have to be jam-packed with a lot of resolution it's a fun story as i was reading it i was thinking that um i often think of who on the show would appreciate this story i definitely think i think steve would appreciate it but i definitely think this is a bob story Mm. So I, I think you would appreciate it, Bob, because it's just it's fun. It's cute. The characterizations are there. The sort of wisecracking demon, um, you know, how they're introduced. Um, yeah, I, I I think this might be something that's leading to a, you know, a larger sort of collection of things, because I just don't see how it's going to wrap up safely and soundly uh, with the next issue. But it's fun. I mean, I enjoyed it. I, I sort of just slipped right through all three issues yesterday and didn't even realize I was doing it. So, um, yeah. Uh, next thing I read 
Justice League Dark number 26. I've been talking about this, you know, since I joined the show. Uh, Ram, and, uh, I'm, I never can pronounce this name properly, but Amanke Nuhalapan. Uh, anyway, uh, I apologize if I'm aligning your name, but greatest respect because your art is awesome. Um, so basically we have a scenario where the Justice League Dark, you know, the team has sort of rallied their, uh, their resolve and, and pulled themselves together. And now they're all heading over to the other world to face off against the legitimately terrifying, uh, upside down man. Uh, basically who's got this goal, this plan of taking all of Hecate's magic and making his own so he can basically, once again, you know, uh, scorch the planet bear of all life. Um, there's, there's a theme. Apparently going on. Yeah, there's a, you'll see a theme going on in my books this week. Um, and so, you know, the Justice League Dark, you know, they're, they, they're sort of split off in the beginning because they're all trying to figure out what their role is and whether or not they have the belief in doing that. And that becomes a very important part of the story if you're reading the story. Um, and one of the other things that they're trying to do is put together, as they realize through the story, put together all the pieces that were left uh, to put in place by Zatara many, many years earlier who were predicted exactly what would happen and what would be needed to stop him. So now the next question is, can they do all these things in the right order and in the right way and have enough resolve and belief, and that is a key word, um, to do what needs to be done? Unfortunately, it looks like it might already be too late for one of our, uh, we'll say, heroes. So it's a good read. Great art continues to sort of uh, stand out in my book from uh, what's going on in D.C., but I love it. Um, next book, book number three, Ten of Swords, creation number one, Jonathan Hickman, Pepe Larraz. So essentially this story has been tying together, this story is tying together sort of the path that Apocalypse has been taking all along, but it sort of reveals that his objectives may not be as closely aligned with the rest of mutant kind as everyone would think. <gasps> Go figure. Shocker. Uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's not exactly the double cross scenario, but it just shows that although they are on the same path, his reasons for being on the path sort of lie in the past. Whereas if you recall from, you know, Hoxpox, mutant kind's reasons for being in this path lie in the future. So, you know, they're sort of all coming together. As we remember from previous books, um, the relationship between Krakoa and Arako, the, the the two islands that were split apart. And you, you're sort of learning a little bit about the role that Apocalypse had in making that be the case. And sort of almost like he's trying to uh, pay a penance in, in sort of resolving that. Um, but unfortunately, this puts him in line with yet another war. And as, as Kurt mentions throughout the book, this is one of many wars that they have, you know, since found themselves facing, you know, once they de- declare their sovereignty. Um, and. What I can tell is Hickman, as always, has a whiteboard out. He's telling a very complicated story. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes you don't always know what's going on, <laughs> especially if you're someone who doesn't know every single character's history in the X universe. Um, and I think sometimes they play on that. They play on the history of of, of the X universe. And that's great if you're if you're a reader. If you're not, if you're a long-time reader, if you're not, it becomes a little bit, you know, you become a little bit dependent on Wikipedia and it maybe takes a little bit longer to read the books. Um, I I will say I think – it's 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 becoming clear. They keep talking about. They pay so much attention to the the ability of mutants to regenerate. Um, I think this may have impact to that, and I think this may add more stakes then to the the mission of the X Men, you know, moving forward. But I'll be honest with you, this is a very complicated story, but it's a story so far that I'm enjoying. It's a long issue. It's 66 pages. Whoa. Um, yeah. So um, it's it, but it's a story that I'm enjoying. Um, it's very detailed and very. There's a lot going on. And, uh, you get a little bit more. You, you, it's just so many balls in the air. It's just bizarre. So I, I, I'm enjoying. I'm here. I'm curious to see what Joey's thoughts are when he gets back. Um, but the last thing I did, 
Um, as we were talking last week about what's going on with DC Universe and, you know, all the things with DC and this, that and the other thing, I decided to sort of just pop back through, not by any plan, but sort of pop back through some aspects of the DC animated movie universe. So I was just sort of cleaning the house and said, let me put on Batman Black, Bad Blood. And, uh, you know, I'd led into uh, Justice League Dark and then into uh, Justice League New Frontier. And I got to be honest with you. I still really enjoyed that. It was interesting to watch them through the lens of what's going on now, because obviously some of these are, you know, period pieces and and based in different times and have different viewpoints, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But I got to be honest, my overarching question I had as I was watching all of these movies was why is no one on this side of the house walking across the hall to the live action movie studio and saying, here, here, here's a template. Just do this. You know, it's, it's not that hard. Granted, these movies are not all perfect and they don't always have the characterizations of these of the individual characters that you would like to see. But overall, I think they tell stories that are more in line with what the foundation and the fundamentals of the DC universe are more so than the the impacts, the influence of the box office requirements that some of the live action movies sort of suffer from. Um, I just really enjoyed them, especially uh, uh, New Frontier. It was almost just like sitting back and being comforted by an old friend, but you know, because everything else I watch on television right now is not as comforting. So, you know, I enjoyed it. I think I'm going to continue to go through them all. There's quite a few of them. Um, but each time I watched it, it was sort of, it motivated me to keep going. So that's kind of what I did to get myself into the, uh, the nerd zone this week. That's my, <laughs> my lightning, my lightning round. Cool. That's great, man. Yeah. New frontier is probably my favorite. Of the the larger ones, some of the individual ones I like as well, but that uh, Darwin Cook's magnum opus really is is that miniseries, and it would be hard to really compress that down into something. Yet they managed it quite well. Hmm. Well, some of the dinosaury things and the soldier stuff, but the, just you talking about the characterizations, the animated films for the most part has been spot on. Mm-hmm. And I I'm with you. Why someone did never call Bruce Tim? Hey, can you come over here and help us? It's just bizarre to me because it's sort of like, well, you ha- you literally have a template. You have years and years and years of a template of of building out these characters in more than a two dimensional, you know, construct. Yeah. You have someone who's literally like gave, giving you a template for how the 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 masses want to see their characters de- portrayed, and for some reason there's a firewall between those two <laughs> sides of the house. Yeah. So. I don't know. I, I guess that I, I just really enjoy going back through these movies. So I'm just going to continue to do this. Enjoy. What do you, uh, do you have any thoughts about WB throwing $70 million at the Snyder cut? I could have used that $70 million. I mean, <laughs> I mean, seriously, here's what I'll say. That $70 million, what was the budget of, of Deadpool? Oh, I, I can look it up. Deadpool. I don't even think Deadpool's budget was near that, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. The first one, probably in that range. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to add another near hundred million dollars on top of an already what was like two hundred million dollar movie. Two hundred and twenty million or something uh, like that. Fifty-eight yeah. million for Deadpool. Okay, yeah. You don't need to do all of that to give us a, a granted different power sets, different characters, but. Why would you give that much money to something that is already out there? Just I'll tell you this, why. This, this was supposed to be your <laughs> original vision. If it, it, why do you need to get put more money into it if you already had a vision out there that you said was a product that you were ready to put forward? I don't understand. I'll tell you he's why. Doing, Aaron. He's doing. He's doing reshoots. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, or shoots. Um, 
I'm not going to speculate too wildly. I just find it very interesting that this was a project that was supposed to have been in existence. It just needed a little bit of tuning up. And now as, as time has gone on and HBO Max is hoping to sell a lot of subscriptions with this thing, that they're throwing another $70 million at this movie to get it done. And I just really question how much of it existed to begin with when when all of this stuff went down uh, as far as announcing it and everything like that. Uh, it, just, it just feels like a little dirty to me. Well, I'm, well, sure, I'm sure you do. Oh, go ahead, Aaron. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I, I, clearly these decisions are being made in real time. I don't think anyone ever anticipated that there would be so much steam or traction behind the Snyder Cut movement that existed but once the train got moving i'm sure mm-hmm. you know everyone was sort of like oh all right well now we have expectations that are set out there and we've told the world that it's gonna it's the greatest yeah. thing ever so i'm sure they're probably trying to go back and live up to that that expectation which to me says okay well then you were wrong all along i just wish, weren't happy with it i wish that they had just been upfront about it and be like you know instead of being like oh it exists and we have the footage and and whatever and just he couldn't have had the footage. He left. Well, he, he, had, a, he had to leave. So he's got to shoot tons of footage from whatever script he was using to start with that never was shot in the first place. Yeah, I just he I had really to leave the project halfway through. So I think that's where the money's being spent. But again, it was always put out there as you, you both are saying. This was just something you needed to re-edit. No, yeah. you have to shoot it now. I so, just think it would have been a lot cooler if they were like, "Hey, you know, we've heard you. We know that." You, you all really want to see this, and so we're going to make it. If that was the messaging, then I yes. would have been fine with it. But for, for, for them to do all this smoke and mirrors stuff just feels, uh, like I said, it just feels a little dirty to me. Listen, I don't want to I don't want to piss on anyone's good time. No, well, certainly not. I mean, unless that's your good time, but that's another story altogether. But <laughs> I, I, I can't help but think that $70 million would have gone a long way towards a Batgirl film. Oh, sure. You know, anything and, else, and honestly, anything maybe else. just draw in, you know, another set of, of 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 viewers and, you know, draw in someone, build out that, build out the universe beyond what it is. Why go back and try to repave something? But again, if people love it, I'm I will shut up. I don't really care that much. But if you love it, love it. I mean, it's your thing. I think at a certain level, they are going to try to position it. It's a miniseries now, in mm-hmm. essence. Yeah. It's the new Watchmen for a certain segment of their uh, corporate leadership. Right. All right. Well, you know what? For everybody that's super looking forward to it, I really do hope that it's everything that they want it to be once it finally comes out. 100% agree. 100% agree. Yeah. And I really do want people I don't want people to think that I'm I'm being an asshole or anything. I really do mean that. We're all going to see it and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm not. Yes. (laughs) Go against the grain. Well, mostly because we don't get HBO Max over here, and I refuse to watch something that I already paid to watch once. So, yeah. 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 And oh. also, I don't really care that much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if I am, you know, raining on anyone's parade here, but, like, can we have some new original content, please? Can we Absolutely. not just have a bunch of whiny people on the internet complaining that, you know, feminism ruined their movie or whatever? Like, <laughs> shut up. Move on. You've got a movie. Let's have something new. 
I'm in a great mood today. Yes, yeah. Why don't we? Uh, does anybody have any comments or questions for any more of uh, Aaron's books? Nope, no, we're going to have to wait for Joey on right, X yeah, of I'm, Swords, Ten of Swords, because I don't think either one of us have read it. Yeah. I'm, de- I'm definitely going to dig into this uh, this Swords business. I just uh, I didn't even crack that one. I bought it, but I didn't I didn't bother opening it this week. It, it, yeah. Hickman was feeling a little too dense for my my mental state. Uh, 66 pages. Hey, I'm, I'm down for it. I just, I need to prepare, you know? Oh, yeah, that's my point. Yeah, it's it's not a quick, you know, read while you're having breakfast type you know, book. You got you to gotta pay attention to all the different so... pieces. Right. And also, there is some, some relevance to what's been happening. So much of this is relevant to what's been happening in Excalibur, just so you know. Oh, great. Ooh. Great. The book that I haven't been reading for the past, like, three months. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's the majority of what's been happening in this caliber. Excellent. I'm excited then. I'm, I'm really glad that I'm going to be in the dark for a portion of the 66-page book. Yeah. All right. Whatever. I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll catch up. Uh, Sarah. Hi. Hi. You like comic books, eh? I, <laughs> I love comic books. <gasps> Why don't you tell us about some? Okay, so I'm going to talk about two books this week that made me cry. Um, Like proper racking, sobbing, ugly crying. Um, Not even happy crying. But I'm also just going to put a content warning on this because both of the books I'm going to talk about do talk about um, eating disorders and disordered eating and things like that. And like, if you don't want to hear about that, just kind of skip forward ahead five minutes um, because there was some stuff in these books that I was not anticipating and they broke me. Um, So the two books I read this week, one is the original graphic novel from Sweeney Boo called Eat and Love Yourself which basically is about a young woman who um, she's not aware of her own self-value and she has a very low opinion of herself and she gets a magic chocolate bar. um, And every time she eats a square of the chocolate bar, she goes back and relives a moment from her past. Mm -hmm. And it brings up a lot of difficult memories from her childhood and her relationship with her parents um, anyone who knows Sweeney Boo's art knows that she has a very specific style. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, Joanna Lafuente did the colours. David Hopkins did the letters. It was actually translated because Sweeney Boo wrote it in French, which is her native language. It was translated by a chap called Edward Govan. Um, it's an absolutely beautiful book. It is published by Boombox, so I assume it's partially geared towards a teen kind of audience. Um but essentially, it tells you the story of Mindy and sort of goes into the fact that she's in her early 20s and she's working as a barista and her parents have these really high expectations of her. And she just has this incredibly low opinion of herself. Um, and when she's feeling sad or upset or unhappy, she eats And that really strike a chord with me because I am very much an emotional eater. And if I'm having a very bad day, then what I like to do is fill the hole inside of me with chocolate and donuts and um, other very high sugar, very high fat foods until it makes me feel sick. Um, And that is something that I did for many, many, many years. And it's not it's like it's not a diagnosed eating disorder. It's not I'm not saying that I'm just saying there's a lot of people out there like me who will go, I have emotions I can't deal with, so I will eat food because it will temporarily make me feel better. Yeah. 
So I read this book and I cried a lot. It's an incredibly good book. It's an incredibly beautiful book. And I highly recommend it to everyone, um, especially if you have um, if you have sort of a young woman in your life or a teenager in your life who maybe has difficulty dealing with their emotions. This book is a very good way of looking at it. And then in my genius, I followed it up with a book by a lady called Katie Green called Lighter Than My Shadow. Um, and this this book is it's huge. It's like 500 pages long and yeah. it's a big oversized book. And basically it is the it is Katie's own story of going from being a fussy eater as a child to hiding food as a teenager to being diagnosed with anorexia nervosa to um suffering some abuse and gradually working her way through all of these issues um and it is beautiful and it is heartbreaking and i really shouldn't have read it directly after reading eat and love yourself because she literally shows the character with where her stomach should be there's just a black hole just it's just scribble it literally just is scribble with teeth around the edges um and it's an incredibly emotive book and it's an incredibly important book because she doesn't hold anything back and she doesn't leave anything out and she really goes into the reasons why she does the things she does mm. um and it details the conversation she has with her therapist about the fact that you know sometimes you don't feel that you can deal with your emotions so you take control of them by either restricting food or binging on food um and these it's not an easy book to read um by any stretch of the imagination and i'm not going to say that it is an easy book to read but i think it's a very important book because i think there's a lot in here that people don't necessarily talk about and as a society, women especially, but also men, we, we are told that we should look a certain way and our value is placed in how we look. Um, and we shouldn't we shouldn't express certain emotions because, you know, women are too emotional and you shouldn't be loud as a woman and you should be able to control your emotions. And there's there's a lot in here um, that brought up a lot of feelings for me. Um, and I don't like having feelings all the time. <laughs> feelings can be difficult. Um, and from my personal perspective, I'm in an incredibly good place now with my relationship with food. And I've done a lot of work on that with um, with a trainer or two trainers, in fact, um, who have really helped me develop how I approach my relationship with food and to acknowledge the fact that if I eat a burger I don't then have to do an hour on an exercise bike to make up for it because that isn't how it works um and that I can eat a balanced diet and still have the things that I enjoy um and that having chocolate in the house doesn't mean that I have to eat the entire bar of chocolate and then feel sick I can just eat one square of chocolate and that's okay um and that sometimes having feelings is allowed and you, you know I can deal with those in other ways rather than by eating a six pack of donuts, which, by the way, is a terrible idea because it will make you feel sick. Mm. Um, so, yeah, those are my two books that I read. They're both incredibly good books. Um, <laughs> they're both incredibly important books, but they are not 
they're not easy books to read for me personally. I mean, other people may have very different ideas on them. Steve, I know that you've read the Sweeney Boo book. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you reacted to it in the same way that I did. But, um, yeah, very good books, very important books. And I think more people should read them. This might sound strange, but my my first thought when reading that book was that I very much wanted to hear you talk about it instead <laughs> when I was okay. reading it. Just no, just in that I know that this is a, a subject that's close to you and, you know, based on how many years I've known you and what you bring to our friendship and what you've brought to this podcast and stuff, there are just there are opinions from the group that I think align with certain books. And I, I, I'm very interested, just like Aaron's interested to hear what Joey has to say about 10 of swords. You know, this was a book that I was like, wow, like I don't know that I am the specific target for this. I definitely felt a lot of the emotional bits of it, but I, I wanted to hear about the book from somebody that would connect with it and knowing how much you love Sweeney boo and stuff like that. I, I was looking forward to hearing your, your thoughts on it. And now you've done that, and it was lovely. And I think it's amazing. I want to say, I don't know if congratulations is really the word I'm looking for here, but it's as your friend and as somebody who cares about you, cares about your you know, your well-being, uh, mentally, physically, all of that stuff, it is it feels nice to hear that you're in a you're in a good place and that you're you're very comfortable with the progress that you've been making and, you know, following your your online stories and everything and, you know, hearing things through osmosis from Bronwyn and everything. Uh, it warms my heart to know that you're continuing to go in a positive direction, despite the nightmare reality that we all live in. Um, it's nice to know that somebody is winning out somewhere. Thank you. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that I win every battle and I have had moments during lockdown where I've gone to the shop and I've bought all of the crappy foods and then I've come home and I've eaten them and then I've felt like shit afterwards. But yeah. then I've had a conversation with um, with my trainer about it and, you know, we, we've talked it through um, and kind of acknowledged why I was feeling that way and, you know, does does eating a pack of biscuits make up for the loneliness of being trapped in a flat on my own for three months? No, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Does it make me feel better temporarily? So, you know, is it, is it going to ruin all of the progress that I've made over the last year and a half? No, but it's going to be a setback. So why would I put my time and energy into doing that when I can put it into other things yeah. like being creative or actually, you know, if I'm feeling sad and lonely, I don't have to eat food. I can phone a friend or send someone a message or do some coloring in or a jigsaw puzzle or, you know, put, put my energy into something more creative. And if I'd read these books a year ago, they wouldn't have had the same impact because I wasn't in the place that I'm in now. And if I'd read them three years ago, then I would have just completely ignored them because I was not able to then acknowledge what I'm able to acknowledge now. Um, and so people who are on that journey that I am on, because it is an ongoing journey, like you don't just wake up one day and go, I've got a perfect relationship with food. You know, it's <laughs> different people will react to it differently. Um, 
but they are very very important books to read and also sweeney boo's art is absolutely glorious and i love it yeah. um very different art styles as well i will say that katie green's yeah. art is is it's it's all very um hand, hand drawn and sketchy and there's kind of pages and pages where you just sort of follow like the trail of, of a falling figure. Whereas Sweeney Boozart is incredibly cute and bubbly and bright and colorful. So yeah. I think that also had an impact because it was kind of at odds with where the story was. It was anyway, it, it I'm was, just waffling now. <laughs> it was interesting to see Sweeney Boo's art on that book because of the subject matter. She is, she usually handles, like you said, the cutesy fanciful, uh big stuff and then to see her do such an emotional book with a lot of like quiet introspective moments i thought was very interesting her Mm. it was a really good example that her artwork is quite versatile in that way that it could suit both moods and uh, i found that to be very cool and as far as the other book uh lighter than my shadow you reminded me i actually picked that up at powell's in portland uh i think like two years ago when i went for the like a uh, studios trip for missing link i found that and uh picked that up for a couple bucks and it looked incredible but when i told people that i had bought it or posted a photo of it everybody was like oh dude i don't know that you want to read that like you're gonna be you gotta be in the right state so i've yet to pick it up but now that you've talked about it you're making me want to go and uh crack that open and make myself real sad it, so. it is it is well worth it and it will make you sad but it will it should also make you hopeful yeah. that's that's the one thing that i really got from both of these books yes i was ugly crying all over the shop but also they just they're really good reminders that things do change and things do get better and you don't always have to be the person that you are today you you can be a different person if you want to be um and you can be the best version of yourself, yeah. which is essentially all that I try to do um, with with all my ridiculousness is just try to be the best version of me. Yeah. And, you know, reaching out and asking for help is uh, is is always is always a good thing. I just this uh, this past Friday made a, a call to some of the services that are available through Bronwyn's work. And within the next two business days. I should be hooked up with a therapist so that I can talk about some of my post-COVID related things. I got some uh, disturbing news on Friday from my my rhythm specialist slash cardiologist uh, that I might have some some visits to Toronto coming up for some procedures that I'm not stoked about. And uh, that, in addition to many other things, have have led to me coming around to I need to start seeing a therapist again and and putting my emotions and my thoughts somewhere other than into the kitchen when Bronwyn immediately gets home from work. (laughs) So so we'll see how that goes. And I'm going to be fine. It's it's nothing super frightening. I just... They're talking about doing some some stuff with me that's going to keep me overnight and and everything. And I'm just... uh, when it's your heart, it's it's not a good time. It's not it's not fun. It's not fun. No. So anyway, does anybody have any comments or questions for Sarah? I'm not crying. You're crying. Yeah, I'm with I'm with you, Aaron. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah. Sorry. That's all right. Okay, Bob. 
Okey-dokey. I'm so glad I went first. <laughs> Thank the name generator, man. I'm using it. <laughs> All right, Bob, whenever you're ready. Okay, quick thanks to Menachem over at Escape Pod Comics in Huntington as my copy of the Ryan North Albert Monty's adaptation of Kurt Vonnegut's Florida House 5 just came in, and it features a signed book plate of an Erica Henderson portrait of Mr. Vonnegut. What? Yeah. As of the book itself, it's all that everyone said about it last week, and just like everybody else, it is going to have me jumping back into the original novel. This is a masterwork right here. Now, Wicked Things number five by John Allison, Max Saren, Whitney Kogar, and Jim Campbell brings us Lottie as a now-respected consultant to the local police. <gasps> yes, I know that she's still under house arrest for suspicion of murder, but her good friend Claire is handling things. Sort of. So with only one more issue to go, she'd better get to it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, next up, I said I would try this, so... Immortal She-Hulk number one by Al Ewing, John Davis Hunt, Marcio Menez, and Corey Pettit is next up. Full disclosure, I'm a big Shulky fan from way back. So while this issue does have some callbacks to her origin, I'm still left feeling less than enthusiastic. Look, that's not to say this issue isn't well done, but for me it's missing that spark that made Jennifer Walters one of my favorite characters of all time. Mm -hmm. On that note, her first appearance, the Savage Shield number one, came out in 1980. She was the last great creation of Stan Lee, and it featured the fabulous art of John Buscema. Quick recap, attorney Jennifer Walters has a house guest in her cousin Bruce Banner, and when a mob hit endangers her life, he transfuses her with his blood with the expected bad results. Book would run for a couple of uneventful years, really, which was all Marvel needed to establish domain over a She-Hulk to stop Universal Studios, producer of their television show of the Hulk, from making that their own character. Push ahead a couple of years, and Jen would be featured in Roger Stern's Avengers, where he had cracked the code, as his Jen was someone who just loved being big and green. From those seeds, John Byrne would grow his She-Hulk, first as a replacement member of the FF, then into an original graphic novel and her own sensational She-Hulk series in 1989, where she was the genre-busting, fourth-wall-breaking, shulky we old-timers cherish. Uh, I did an article some years ago about our gal, Jen, so you might enjoy. Check that out. And there are some wonderful comments by my friend Sarah that hopefully are still up there. <laughs> uh, speaking of Stan and certainly his partner, Jack Kirby, they reunited for a 1978 graphic novel, The Silver Surfer. Jack had just come back to Marvel, and he and Stan crafted this as the first appearance of The Surfer, but without the Fantastic Four. This way, they could actually hold the copyright, which is great, except that has mostly kept this out of print since. Now, even with the subtractions from the original, with the addition of a new character, Adrena, all the heart, humanity, and majesty are still there in this marvelous second pass on material. So, it's almost October, so here are a couple of quick takes on some witchy doings. In Black Magic number 14, Greg Rock and Nicholas Scott, with curl assist by Shara Arena, of course, both Rowan and Alex are attracting ill-intentioned notice of some powerful forces as events and persons from earlier in the run are taken to the front of the stage. Over in Sabrina, Something Wicked number three, Kelly Thompson, Veronica and Andy Fish, and Jack Morelli. Sabrina is learning once again that magic has a price in many more ways than one. 
with trust a hard thing to come by, Sabrina finds herself alone against the sea of troubles. But her efforts too late to save everyone, including herself. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Oh, dun, dun, dun. By the way, Sarah, I know it comes out next week for you. Make sure you get the Sweeney Boo cover. <gasps> yes, there's a Sweeney Boo alternate cover that my store was out of, but they're trying to get me another one. I have a Sweeney Boo Sabrina print on my wall right next to me, and it's so pretty. <laughs> I'm sure. I think I, I think I saw you buy that now that you mentioned that. I think you did, yes. Yes. Because yes. you oh she's so sweet and she's so tiny. <laughs> <laughs> I got my uh vision print from Sweeney Boo at uh Toronto Fan Expo. That's what it was. Nice. Uh, she was great. She was great. Yeah, that uh that whole row, that whole table was uh just a murderer's row of talent. So Wow, those are all your books, right? That's me. I is I is done. All right. So yeah, um, Immortal She-Hulk. I I've been riding high on the Immortal Hulk run. Uh, we'll get to it more in my my lightning round. That I've I've now read one through twenty five. So that's the first five volumes of that. And honestly, I cannot even imagine reading Immortal She-Hulk without having the Immortal Hulk as like fresh background in my head for all that's going on in this first issue. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. It is nothing like the fun and funny She-Hulk series that we've had in the past. I, I, I think that's okay, but I definitely understand why we would miss that and maybe wish that we had something like that nowadays. But seeing as it is spinning out of the Immortal Hulk... I was prepared for it not to be like Charles Soule or John Byrne or, or any of those other fabulous creators. Uh, you all know how much I love introspective books and getting inside of characters' heads. That book does a lot with that regarding uh, Jennifer questioning her recent death and resurrection, and I find that stuff to be very interesting. It's a little wild to me how much Marvel appears to be exploring death this year. The X-Books, Immortal Hulk, this... Uh, I like that death is being addressed, as it's something that's typically glossed over in comics, especially in superhero books. And I just this is this is another wild extension of of the Immortal Hulk stuff that Al Ewing has been doing. And I I'm I'm into it. I'm into it. I just I might need to read a few issues of uh, Charles Souls's She Hulk. To, to to balance it out a little bit for myself. But, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in a second, and I know Sarah probably will too. She's also a big She-Hulk fan. Yeah. Um. And I I understand how characters can be different under other people. I've been reading comics for a long time and seen a lot of different changes. This character was was before will be again probably somewhere, but is this wonderful combination of really smart, really sassy, self-aware, self-proclaimed hero at every level as Jen, as, as She-Hulk. And to, to, to turn that inwards, which began, I think, with, with uh, Ms. Tamaki back a couple years ago, it, it's a character that, to me, it, it, it's... Again, that thing of someone maybe telling their story through a character, in this case, one that 
in her time had been moved past it by creators who, as you mentioned, Charles Soltou and Peter David, who took her past that, and that was what made the character work. Right. And so it, it's almost trying to fit that square peg into a round hole. It might work, but I don't know that it's to the betterment of the character. Mm. For, for me, as a longtime reader of, of Jennifer Walters' adventures. Oh, sure. Yeah, I could definitely appreciate that. Mm. So that's kind of what I was when we were reading. Um, good Lord, what was the event that just ended? Empire. Empire. Thank you. Oh, God, I'm getting old. <laughs> Someone send help. So um, when we were reading that, they had that that arc that related to, to She-Hulk. Remember, I asked, why? how long are we going to do this whole thing where she is – you know, very Hulk-like in the sense that she, you know, the broken speak and all that stuff, because I'm not a major sort of She-Hulk historian, but the She-Hulk that I have read in the past, um, whether it was involved with FF or something like that, what I liked about her was the the humor. the And like you say, Bob, the, the fact that she loved, loved, loved being the Hulk. Um, and so I... I I, I wonder how long that's going to last because I kind of want to see that again. But again, I'm not the She-Hulk historian. But then going back to what you were saying, Steve, I think you're absolutely right about Marvel and their exploration of death. I think that's so much of what's going on with the X-Books. I think that's – I think if I had to guess, they're responding to how all of us nerds always say death means nothing yeah. you know, yeah. in, in comics. And I think they're really just taking that on right now and saying, well, we're going to try to shift that a little bit, but – yeah, I for me, I like that it's being addressed in that, especially they throw Wolverine into this first issue. And I got to say, he was a bit of an asshole in this, basically being like, you know, things are all rosy over in Krakoa, which we all know they certainly are not. But talking about their resurrection process and how it, it must be nice to be a part of the Avengers and, you know, the mutants finally have their own little piece of paradise again and he just he throws quite a little bit of shade in She-Hulk's direction in this, and I found him to be a little off-putting. He's he's kind of been framed in the X books uh, in more recent times as this almost like fun-loving Wolverine, like playing with hide-and-seek with kids and doing this, that, and the other thing. And in this one, he was like super gruff, angry, you know, bitter Wolverine. Anyway. Um, I like that the death stuff is being addressed. The the feelings that come with that, I find that a lot of the times where we've been reading stories for this show in the past, these big events will happen, characters will die, and they'll come back. And within like a, an issue or two, it'll just be business as usual. Nothing was really talked about, how that affects them, what's going through their minds. And while it's maybe not the the tone that we want from the character, I still appreciate the idea of exploring that because it's 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 a facet to that character that we don't always get. Uh, I don't know. I might be rambling at this point. No, I, I think Dan Slott did really well with that. To your point, I think Dan Slott did really well with that with Spider-Man, and I think it paid off. You're, you're right, though. They do, you know, it is a scenario where, well, he was dead, and it was his gruesome death, but now yeah. he's back. So everyone's just happy again. But I think with Superior Spider-Man, there was like this long arc of all the psychological impacts of what he was going through and what that yeah. meant, and then the recovery. Right. And I mean, and, and also, I mean, to be fair, the the immortal She-Hulk stuff does very much fit right alongside the immortal Hulk, which is this very heady 
series that is very horror in its roots and is dealing with this gamma dimension and the idea of the Hulks being immortal and the, the pain that comes with that. And, you know, I didn't walk into Immortal She-Hulk expecting a Charles Soule or a, or a John Byrne joint. And uh, that's certainly not what we got. So, but I mean, I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely in for a little while to see where it goes. Uh, it's interesting territory, uh, if not the ideal venue for, for that character. And hopefully, you know, after we've processed some of the pain, we can get back to some of that other stuff. I've, I have no idea. <laughs> so, you know, just kind of going along for the ride. That's pretty much all I've got strength for these days. Yeah. Sarah, how about you? I don't know if you've got a chance to read this, but what's your take on Jennifer Walters? Um, to be honest, I didn't read it because I wanted to hear your opinion on it first. Um, okay. No pressure. I, no pressure. No pressure. Um, I, despite the fact that I've just read two emotionally compromising books, I just I want some happy books. I don't want to be dealing with the ramifications of death. I don't want to be dealing <laughs> with my own mortality at the moment. Like I just I want some entertaining books that are kind of fun and have a bit of humor and i love she hulk because she is funny and she is smart and she is strong and she acknowledges all of those things and she enjoys all of those things i don't want her being morose and introspective and questioning the meaning behind her life and her own mortality because it's 2020 yo we've got enough of that going on so it's probably going to be a pass from me and I will just stick with the books that I've already got. But, you know, not every book is for me and that's fine. Yeah. You don't yeah. have to read it. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Uh, I'm trying to think if I have any other. So you really enjoyed Slaughterhouse-Five then? Oh, it's incredible. It's certainly the top of my list for Best graphic novel of the yeah, year. One of the, one, one of the best I've read in years, just generally. That is a hard hard novel to crack because of the unstuck in time aspect of it. And Ryan North and Albert uh, many is really, really it's it's brilliant. It's brilliant that you could take some uh, really involved novel and characters and themes. And set it down in such a way that it, it honors the book and still takes it somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. My thoughts exactly. That's awesome. Yay. It, it's a goodie. Everybody's on board. Sweep in the category, we'll say. All right. Any, uh, any, oh, Aaron, do you want to talk to Bob about Black Magic at all? So much sex in that book. (laughs) (laughs) My goodness. I actually really, really like that book. I'll be honest. There really wasn't a great amount that happened in this issue from a entirely pushing the story forward perspective. But I didn't care because it was very much rooted in giving you a glimpse a little bit a little bit deeper into each character which i think is equally as valuable um and i love that alex has a side piece um but i i I, it's just the complications of these relationships in this story it's just like they become more and more complicated everyone has like a very complicated relationship with 
rowing with her partners, rowing with Alex, rowing with her new partner, rowing, you know, Alex with, you know, the, the witch hunter, the witch hunter with his book. It's just nothing is, you know, black and white. Well, okay. I see what I said. I see what I said there. Um, <laughs> but, you know, nothing is, you know, theoretically black and white, but it, it's all just very complex and you can't really, you know, figure out who you're 100% rooting for and against to some degree. You don't know who's right in any particular argument, you know, that the characters have because they each have valid points and, you know, you, the, the writers are getting into like the nuances of argument as opposed to always having to identify someone who is clearly have, you know, standing on the moral high ground. I I just really look forward to this book. You know, every, even, again, I... I, and there were things that happened that were, you know, exciting and I think really, really awesome. And I love, love, love Alex more and more every, you know, every issue. But the the shining aspect of this book was literally just the characterizations and, you know, their expressions of their emotions and what their 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 motivations were and the friendships and all that stuff. So, yeah, I really just yeah. And there's just a lot of sex and boobs. <laughs> uh, one thing I'm, so I'm going to tell you for sure, I am not rooting for that creepy girl with the sewed together lips. I'm not rooting yeah. for her. No. Yeah, no, she's not. She's not on the list. No, she's a piece of work, and what she, what she pulls off as a as a magic trick this time to poor Alex is is horrendous. I love that she kept warning her though. She's like, last chance. Yeah, <laughs> you'll regret this. He's like, last chance. I'm not going to tell you again. Oh, and then gave her a, gave her a magical backhand. Uh, I haven't read Black Magic since the first arc. What is wrong with me? I do not know. I made the mistake of trade waiting on that, and that's why. Try not to do, do any spoilers. I'm yeah. we're we're trying over here. Really, are. No, no, no. <laughs> really, really. <are. laughs> to be honest, by the time the next trade comes out, I will probably have forgotten everything anyway. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I need a it's, I need a refresher. I got to go back to the. It's to been the a while. It has. It has been the one thing I'm. I shouldn't say upset. It's too, it's too strong a word in, in the world we live in now. The first issue came out as a giant oversized magazine. Mm-hmm. And the it's the only issue they did that way. They've never gone back to it, even as an oversized deluxe collection. Mm. Boy, tons of extras. And in that format, Nicholas Scott's art it was the size of Life magazine. If you remember how oh, big wow. that used to be. Yeah. yeah. And bow, good stuff. One of these days, one of these days. Slipcase edition for $100. I can see it coming. Such a good book. I'm still waiting for them, for Image, to announce the hardcover for Die for the first two volumes of that. Amen. Uh, but what they did announce, I think, is coming out, I believe in November, is the hardcover edition of Skyward. So all, all 15 issues of that collected. And then there's going to be a, uh, I guess, a prologue. No, not a prologue. Um, what's the after thing called? Epilogue. Epilogue. There we go. Sorry. Uh, yeah, there's going to be an epilogue issue or epilogue story to tell us more about what happens after the first initially ends. Very, very excited for that. Joe Henderson had announced that on Twitter uh, a couple of days back. So that is definitely going to be going under my Christmas tree. <laughs> for sure. All right. Does anybody have any other uh, comments or questions for Bob's books? No. No. All right. Well, then we're going to get to my portion of the show. 
Yeah, we'll see. I All right, so listen. I don't have a lot of books to talk about because I'm pretty much reading the same stuff that you've heard about me talk about at least three times. Uh, we've talked about The Immortal Hulk. I've talked about it. Joey's talked about it. I'm still feeling really blown away by how gnarly this book is. It really explores the toll that's being uh, being the Hulk takes on Bruce Banner in a way that I've never seen. The whole run feels conceptually massive, and I can't even begin to imagine the meticulous planning that went into uh, plotting this story. It's also one of the most horrific Marvel books that I've read by far. Hulk's face is melting off after a villain pukes onto pukes acid onto it. Like it's disgusting body horror and contortions. And there's certain transformations that have given me nightmares, and I'm I'm really into it. I'm really into it. I'm I'm interested in all the wild stuff happening with Bruce's father, who, like I said earlier, appears to be trapped in some sort of gamma dimension that is reputed to be a place that is worse than hell itself. Uh, it is crazy from every angle, and the only reason why I haven't wrapped it all up is because I did not have the nine dollars to purchase the next volume. So maybe some other time. Uh, other stuff that I want to talk about, like I said, I, I had a bit of a rough day on Friday. Uh, I got up at about 4 o'clock in the morning, and I drove over to EB Games because I saw on the internet that they were taking pre-orders for the PlayStation 5, and like a chump who was having severe FOMO for not being on the ground floor of the next uh, PlayStation I arrived at EB Games around 5 o'clock in the morning to wait in line outside the store, socially distanced, masked up the whole bit, and wait to get a pre-order on this, uh, this PlayStation 5 business. And I was happy to do it. Honestly, I haven't done anything like this in years, and I was kind of curious to see if my body could stand the test of time of standing outside of a EB waiting for something with like no bathroom, no nothing, and, uh, and I made it. So good for me. But, well done. Well, one of the reasons why I, I did this ridiculous thing, and respect to anybody else who did this as well, was Friday was an absolutely huge day for me in terms of music and albums that were released. And so I was actually really looking forward to just sitting against a brick wall putting my headphones on and listening to these new albums that I'd really been anticipating. And so I'm going to go through those a little bit right now. Uh, you've heard me talk about them multiple times on this show, Rituals of Mine, uh, my friends Tara and Adam, their band. They have a brand new album out called Hype Nostalgia. just came out this past Friday. And it is just a, a thing of beauty and a work of art. It actually brought me to tears on the second-to-last track called Hope You Feel, and we spent a lot of time, Bronwyn and I, with them over the past few nights. We attended a listening party with them on Friday night, so we sat down with them and we listened to the album over YouTube, and we're typing with them and interacting with a bunch of fans and asking questions and stuff like that. And then just last night, which was Saturday, they did a record release party where they performed a whole bunch of their songs, including stuff from the new album, live for everybody on YouTube. This has been kind of their way of keeping afloat during the pandemic since everybody's had their shows canceled and concert venues don't know what they're doing. And so after that, they did this big Q&A. Uh, they gave away a whole bunch of their merch, 
They put everybody's name into a hat and we're picking people at random and giving away vinyls and t-shirts and tote bags. And it was all really, really, really awesome. And uh, it was really lovely just to see how appreciative they were, uh, they are of their fans and, and, you know, tell their stories behind the music and stuff like that. Uh, so it's called Hype Nostalgia Rituals of Mine. Go and check that out. They're on Spotify and a whole bunch of other stuff as well. Uh, Deftones. Deftones came out with a new album called Ohms. In my personal opinion, I've been a Deftones fan since day one. Best album that they've released since Diamond Eyes. Diamond Eyes wasn't a critical success when it first came out, but it seems like it's kind of been more appreciated in time. I loved it right off the bat. It is a very emotional album, and for me, really, really opened up their sound and kind of changed them from being this new metal thrashy band to a more uh, atmospheric, melodic type of thing. Uh, Chino's influences from Team Sleep and uh, some of his other projects. I can't remember the other one. I can't believe that's escaping me right now. Whatever. Uh, so it's a great mix. The new album, uh, Ohms, is a great mix of melodic and aggressive Deftone songs. There are tracks that sound as if they were B-sides for Around the Fur or White Pony, but then you have some very atmospheric tracks that feel as if they belong on Diamond Eyes or their self-titled album that came after that. It is a really good mix and represents how much the band has evolved over their 20-plus year career, but it also lets you know that they can still cut loose, they've got plenty of gas in the tank, and they deliver a couple of like thrashy, loud, mosh pit summoning jams on this as well and i'm really really into it i was very impressed and uh, have already got that playing on repeat uh during my work day on friday uh for as loud and, and aggressive as it is i find that i can still write to it which uh is really saying something that's a sign of a good album for me uh another thing that came out not this past friday but apparently over the summer one of my all-time favorite bands called hum came out with a brand new album called Inlet. It is over an hour long. It is their first album since Downward is Heavenward that came out in 1998. Oof. So that's how long I've been waiting for new music from this band. And I gotta say, like, I I haven't landed my opinion on this one yet. I I really enjoy it. But it sounds the most, it's the most different Hum album that they've come out with. It is very heavy. Uh, I think the mix is maybe a little bit weird. I think the vocals could have been brought up a little bit, maybe mixed in a little bit better. But it is definitely epic. It is It is way more crunchy than some of their other stuff is. Lots more foot pedals going on and effects and whatnot. But uh, it soars. It's pretty badass. And I'm definitely looking forward to listening to it a lot more. Uh, this came out in June of this year, and I had absolutely no freaking idea. I was reading a album review for the new Deftones, and they're like, kind of like Hum did this past summer, and I said, what? So anyway, that was a nice treat for me. And I just want to give a quick shout-out to our friend Rachel, who reached out to me on Facebook when she saw my photo of me holding the new Rituals album, and she recommended an artist to me called Teza Talks. That's T-E-Z-A Talks. She is something that I've, I've, I don't know that I've ever heard before. Uh, very electronica, but 
mean and good and catchy and just I've only listened to three tracks so far off of off of one of her I think her latest album but she's the first artist in a long time where I'm listening to her and I have no idea what I'm walking into or what's coming up next she's keeping me guessing and I'm so into that right now so I'm definitely looking forward to exploring that and then uh Last but not least, I want to talk about Harley Quinn again, super quick, because we've been going through that. It continues to be absolutely amazing. I can't remember the last time that I laughed at something so hard that's on television. Best, I'm just going to say it, I know we've been talking a lot about the DC animated movies. For me personally, this is the best DC animated anything that I've seen since Batman the Animated Series. Everyone who told me to watch this was 100% right about its quality oh, yeah. in every way, shape, and form. We're still only on season one. I think we're maybe seven or eight episodes in, but there has not been a dud in the group. Ron Funches is now in there as King Shark. He's absolutely amazing. Bane is giving me life. Kaylee Colaco as Harlequin, I, I never would have pegged her for the character, but she does a bang-up job. As, as Harley, and I just find it so damn funny. The writing is so smart, and it's very obviously being written from people that love the DC Universe, but they also know how ridiculous the DC Universe can be, and they, they riff on that, they joke on that, they lampoon that stuff, but they do it so smartly. And it's it's absolutely the most hysterical thing that I've watched in a really, really long time. And uh, that has been kind of the, the ray of sunshine in all this. And uh, one more thing I'll bring up super quick. I stayed up until 3 o'clock in the morning last night because it was my friend uh, Brendan's birthday. And we decided to play a game uh, on Steam called Darksburg. Darksburg is a top-down, Diablo-like, roguelite game where you are survivors of kind of this fantasy apocalypse and you're taking out zombies and suicide bombers and all kinds of crazy, weird goblins and, and things of the like. The reason I bring it up is because while my favorite character in the game is one called uh, Runoff, he is a Viking soup slinger. He basically is a brute that is also a healer, and he makes delicious soups that basically serve as a corrosive to enemies, but can then heal and buff your teammates. And so that has been amazing, just swinging a giant uh, metal ladle and laying out enemies while throwing soup at people and helping them out. It has been absolutely incredible. But the reason that I bring it up is because there is a character in this game named Rose and Twig. Okay, in her character profile says a pro prolific bounty hunter, expert marksman with an eye, literally singular, for a payday. Rose is not an easy woman to make friends with unless you're a small striped rodent that she inexplicably inexplic takes a liking to. Okay. Rose and Twig are Squirrel Girl and Tippy. She looks exactly like Doreen. She's got the haircut. She's got the build. She has a squirrel on her shoulder. 
And this squirrel, she can actually take the squirrel off her shoulder and throw it into the combat. And it creates this, like, dome area of effect. And it just goes ballistic on the enemies and zooms back and forth in this crazy pattern and shreds everybody. There is even a perk that you can get later in the game where you can uh, make Twig a medic. And the it'll, the squirrel will take out its little medical bag and will perform Aww. surgery on you to bring you back to life if, you're, if your teammates can't res you. Uh, we played it for, according to Steam, 5.7 hours last night. Uh, first time that we played anything in a while. And I gotta tell you, it really... He's never gonna hear this. But, like, it really, really, really did my, my heart good to sit down and play a game with him. Uh, Brendan is one of my absolutely favorite people in the entire world. And I love him dearly. And being able to spend time with him on his birthday and just do what we used to do and find a game that we both loved and go nuts with it was something that I really, really needed, um, especially after Friday with some of the medical stuff uh, that I have going on. And so, yeah. So that's me. I, uh, you know, thank you for entertaining me. I know this wasn't all comics, but (laughs) sometimes it can't be. Soup! Oh god, the game is so good. I'm gonna play it when we're done. <laughs> it's it's great. It's great. Uh, also play Hades on the Switch if you get a chance to pick that up. It's only twenty bucks. It's amazing. Uh, does anybody have any comments or questions for me about anything that I talked about? Soup. I don't think so. No. All right. uh, and I did get our PlayStation pre-order. Uh, by the way, that's the end of that story. Uh, one of the people, though, that wanted the pre-order and could not handle himself, uh, we were watching him from outside the store, was very angry, and I thought that I was going to have to pull out my phone at one point because I was going to get one of those videos of somebody trashing their local GameStop or EB Games. This Mm. guy was pissed, Uh, which was ridiculous considering that he showed up at, like, 10 o'clock for this thing. So forget that guy. (laughs) Uh, okay. Uh, super, super, super quick. We're just going to go through a few uh, news stories that happened over the past couple days. I don't want to spend too much time on this Batgirl thing because I made the mistake of reading this Screen Rant article and it completely and totally, even though they do give you a warning at the top, it ruins, spoils everything about what's going on in Batgirl. But uh, the headline is that Batgirl is finally retire- retiring in DC's comic universe at the top of this article says it's official barbara gordon is batgirl no more after she suffers another personal tragedy that breaks the gordon family apart so i've read this article there are definitely some very heavy things happening in in batgirl i've not read batgirl for for what feels like a very long time at this point uh even though it's being written by cecil castellucci who did work on Shade the Changing Girl, but then also did that Furies. Oh uh, god, female Furies. Yeah, that that, 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 that you know, I'm not I'm not gonna write a, a creator off, especially after doing Shade the Changing Girl, which I thought was phenomenal. Uh but that first issue of that that female Furies really, really put me off. Uh so I wasn't exactly running to go and, and catch up with Batgirl. But um I don't know. And also, to be honest, a portion of this article in reading it, it just it sounds like we're retreading ground that we did, I believe, during the DC New 52 
era, so maybe it's time for that stuff again. I, I have no idea. But um, this all sounds very grim and very depressing, and I just was like, eh. Uh, I don't know. Is anybody, does anybody have any thoughts or feelings on this? I mean, I just think it's unfortunate for the character. I mean, the character had so many highs and lows, especially I mean, since the new 52. I mean, some people enjoy some aspects of it. Others did not. I get that. But I read the article, too, and I, I, I know what you're talking. I haven't been reading Batgirl, but I know what you're talking about in terms of the spoilers and sort of the experience that Barbara's been having. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a pretty – yeah. I mean, and, and there are some things that are retread, but I, I, I don't understand the idea of simply removing her – from the table um but i guess we'll see how that plays out yeah i i you know i never like to assume too much with these things because i'm not in any position to tell anybody how to tell their story i i just i really wonder especially in the dc end of things where we're going with some of the line's best superheroes and the the breaking them down so we can you know build them up in another arc or two or whatever. I just and isn't Batgirl ending? Didn't we hear that? Wasn't that yes? Yes, we have a couple of issues to go. So we're ending it with her not being Batgirl anymore. It does seem that way. I avoided the article because of the spoilers. Yeah, I have read some recent Batgirls, including one of the worst issues they've ever published of her, where she's being puppeted by the Joker, and it's just heinous. Mm. <sighs> that said, Barbara Gordon as Oracle is one, just, is one of the most amazing characters in comic book history. For what it represented to people, and that we had to go back to Batgirl for the New 52 with Barbara and dismissing her, uh, her differently able status just to make some sort of point. Thankfully, Gail stood around long enough to try to make a silk purse out of that sow's ear. That we're we're going we're going back to that I perhaps in a different way and maybe we can do a, a Batgirl Incorporated construct of a team of all the great Cassandra and Stephanie and Carrie Kelly maybe, who knows? And that could be fun. But as Aaron says, putting putting Barbara through all these ups and downs over the last nine years or so the, the one bright spot might have been, I mean, literally the bright spot is the Batgirl of Burnside, which had some of its own problems, making her so young. Yeah. But poor Gail, who wanted to tell stories like that from what what I read, wasn't allowed to have Barbara smile. Why all these events that went in, and, and as you say, Steve, we're in the midst of this with what's going on over in Wonder Woman, and now with Batgirl, whose history goes back, 53 years at this point yeah this is this is what we have to do to relaunch it couldn't we just relaunch it couldn't we have something better than the ultimate breakdown of barbara gordon yeah i don't know i mean maybe maybe it's the nature of the beast in some cases i just feel like we're on a loop with some of this stuff and you know, no shade to the to the creators whatsoever, but it would just be nice if the people that were in charge of approving these stories maybe entertained the idea of of doing something else and maybe saying, you know, this story is a little too similar to something that we had just a few years ago. 
we'll keep it on the table, but we, we kind of want to hear some more to maybe take the character in a, in a new and bold direction rather. I don't know. Right. Well, Barbara as Oracle, if that's where we go, that there could be great stories told there. Yeah. Barbara Gordon, if not the smartest, is one of the smartest people in the DC universe up there with whatever big brain you want to put, but she is definitely more than Batman's equal. Mm-hmm. So allowing her to do that and not having to fight crime in a costume and it's been a pretty bad costume over the last year or so, yeah, could could be could be wonderful. But this is how we have to get there. She can't do it on her own her mm-hmm. own agency and say, I I've been Batgirl, done that a long time, got hurt doing it. I, the world needs Oracle more than Batgirl. There could there could be a positive empowerment to this that it doesn't seem like we're headed for i'll I'll knock wood and say let's hope we do get there yeah uh i mean i i I do like the the robbie rodriguez art that i see in in these panels and i i do like her her outfit it's definitely different than the batgirl of burnside stuff that i i last remember but i'm sure it's been changed for quite some time i've been out of the batgirl loop for a while now yeah it was sean gordon murphy did a redesign of the costume that had this crazy mask and her hair sticking out and uh, boots you couldn't fight in and a giant belt buckle that would have um, injured her to the point of needing uh, gynecological help. I thought he was going to say Pikachu again. I was waiting on the edge of my seat. No, I did that. I did that joke already. I'll come back around to it in some future. But thank you for remembering her. I was giddy. Wonder <laughs> giddy Woman's Pikachu. Pikachu. Were you here for that, Sarah? I, I, I've heard it. And I've heard it mentioned, and um... <laughs> yeah, that's enough about that. Yeah, yeah, it's very fun yeah. from the Pikachu. So, moving past her Pikachu, um, <laughs> I had some thoughts. I was thinking about this as we were just having this conversation about Batgirl and the ups and downs. It seems like there's been this. Desire to really, really investigate the psychological uh, state of of all of our characters and sort of push them to their limits and, and all that stuff, which is, I will admit, I enjoy when that is an aspect of a larger story. Um, when I say an aspect, I mean a thread, you know, of a much larger story. I don't know how much I enjoy it when that is the story. Because, you know, eventually it begins to alienate you, and in some cases it can trigger you and all these things. And so I'm thinking back to the whole, you know, Heroes in Crisis thing, which had some aspects of that. And, uh, you know, and what we, the, the reasons why I dropped off of Batman, you know, a Tom King's Batman, because that was sort of, you know, and it, and in contrast, I was trying to figure out, well, why is it that I'm enjoying some books so much more than other books in the in the DC universe, even though the universe itself is relatively unstable right now? And it's because Justice League Dark, for example, I'm just going to keep harping on that one because it's fresh in my mind. I'm enjoying it because I am getting to see all of these heroes be heroes in their own way. And there is a, you know, there's a Tana, for example. The character is struggling with trying to to rescue her father. So obviously there's some some psychological impact there, but the larger story is still intact. The larger story of you know what the mission and what the goal is is still intact. So you can step out of that. You can recognize that it's there. It should be there because it makes the character more human to explore that. 
but we are not systematically going through the deconstruction psychologically of this character. And I feel like after a while, it just, when they do this to these characters over and over again, especially with Barbara, it begins to diminish, you know, unfortunately, the character in a way that I don't think they have done with, with, you know, many male characters, you know, it begins to make you focus on, well, all these things, you know, the, the psychological breakdown, she's quitting, she's doing this, she's doing that. And I don't, I just don't know if that's right. I just feel though, you know, everyone suffers from PTSD. So if you're going to, if you're going to tell that story, tell the story from the perspective of everyone doing it, but to keep lobbing that, those grenades at a singular character over what, a 10 year period, it just seems wrong to me. So I don't, I don't know. I, I was hoping that Batgirl of Burnside was bringing a more fun flavor mm-hmm. back to Batgirl, but it seems, you know, then everything happened with the death in the family and then all that stuff. And then, you know, I don't know. I just, I, it's unfortunate. I'm sad to see her go, but we'll yeah. see what happens. Yeah, oh, and, and and who knows? You know, maybe maybe when the character comes back, she will be in, in more of an oracle type role, leading a team uh, of Batwomen. I have no idea. Yeah. No. Can, can we get, get Marguerite Bennett to write that, or Gail, please? <laughs> Just did you, saying. Did you see that they're they're pulling from Marguerite uh, Bennett and James Tynan's Batwoman for the season two? Of, uh, of of CW's Batwoman with the Sophia well, stuff, right? That the first season ended uh, with some of those notes. Yeah. So uh, uh, it's going to be fun. The problem is that was Kate's story. Right. Yeah. So now it's Kate in absentia, and we'll investigate Sophia. I'm sure I'm, I'm in, but going to miss Kate's story. Well, mm-hmm. her, Kate's part of that story. All right. Uh, can we move on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was up. Okay, so uh, no big shocker here. Uh, Disney and Marvel are moving the release of Black Widow again to all the way to the summer of 2021. So it's going to be a long, it's going to be something like 637 days or something like that since we had a Marvel film at that point. Uh, and as a result of Black Widow getting pushed, the Marvel has had to move their other films as well, uh, Disney included. So the 20th uh, Century Fox stuff portion of Disney is The Empty Man. Remember that miniseries that we read? Yes, that was a long time ago. <laughs> right. So that's apparently coming out on October 23rd of this year. I will be curious a what that even what that movie even looks like, uh, and b if it manages to make it to theaters. So they're saying that Black Widow is moving from previously dated for eleven. So November sixth of twenty twenty, it is now moving to April May seventh of next year. So. Uh, which pushes Eternals to November 5th of 2021, which pushes Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings to, uh, what is that, 7, July 9th of 2021. 
Yeah, from there on, the, the changes are lesser. It just it's a more compressed Marvel Cinematic Universe at that point. But those first couple Eternals is a year because that was due this holiday season, wasn't it? Yes. Initially. Yes. Yeah, I mean, by all counts, like Black Widow would have already been out. Uh, I think May first we would have had that movie, and then Eternals after that, and yeah, I mean, you know, you can't really. We're obviously living in some very unprecedented times, so you can't fault these studios. I'm actually relieved that they're doing the smart thing and delaying these things because I want these movies to make money. I want to be able to go and see them in the theater, and there's no way in hell that they're getting me to a movie theater uh, with everything still being the way that it is. I mean, there's still WB is still planning on releasing Wonder Woman on Christmas Day. I don't know what that looks like at this stage of the game. So well, theaters in New York and California haven't opened yet. Nope. 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 They have not. And they need to, the, they need to for that movie to come out. Yes. The independent theaters here in New York are, are sending representatives to speak with the governor, to try to find some way. If you, their point is if you can open gyms and you made all of us get new heating and air conditioning units and filterization systems and so on and so forth, can't we open at something similar? Right. I'm saying that a cinema is a bit different to a gym. Uh, Sarah, gym you're a little bit far away. Can you... Sorry, I moved my mic because I was yeah. having a drink of water. Is that better? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I go to the gym every day and I don't get closer than two, if not three or even four meters to anybody. I don't know what the regs are like over there. Um, but, yeah, surely when you go to the cinema, you kind of have to sit near people i don't know apparently they've opened them here um because i know someone that went to see new mutants i didn't even know they'd open them i yeah. don't pay no attention um but yeah i just i get why they want to reopen them but i i don't i wouldn't say that going to see a movie and sit in a seat yeah even if you're like two seats away from someone is the same as going to a gym and having to stay two meters away from them yeah, I mean, for me, it's a lot about just not wanting to pay for the experience. As much as I love going to the movies and do want to see some of the stuff that is coming out, you know, I give credit where it's due to theaters, to spending the money on all of these health and safety measures and spraying down their seats and doing all of these things and, you know, limiting concessions and whatnot. But the fact of the matter is, is that a lot of theater chains are charging additional fees to go to the movies during this time to make up for the losses of COVID from them being shuttered for however many months that I like m more times do I not enjoy myself at the theater than I actually do enjoy myself at the theater. And the idea of paying more money to potentially be extremely uncomfortable the entire time while trying to enjoy something is just not where I want to put my money or spend my time or risk my health for that matter. Mm. So, you know, that's me, but I just, having gone through COVID stuff, I, I, I don't want to be anywhere near anybody that can get me sick, uh, right now or any other time than that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, we need to move along here cause I know that Sarah's got a lot on her plate. Uh, does anybody have any other movie thoughts before we get to some questions super quick? No, sir. Okay. 
Uh, like I said, uh, I do apologize. We are going to hold some of these questions because some of them were larger than anticipated. Uh, but we do have some quick hits here. So, Bob, why don't you ask the question to the group that I had posed uh, a little while yes. back? Yes, it was a listener question in quotes from Steve. Yeah. You, you've you won the lottery, and after you take care of your own bills and whatever friends need your assistance, what do you need to do to make yourself the world's greatest nerd cave? <laughs> so who would, who would like to go first? I have an incredibly simple answer for this because I know what I would spend all of my money on if I had it. Oh. It would just be original artwork. I would get artwork from all of the creators that I absolutely adore and cannot afford. I would have Liam Sharp in there. I would have Adam Hughes in there. Not literally the people in there. That would be weird. <laughs> Just in glass I'd cases. I'd have artwork from them. <laughs> making them draw yeah. for you inside the cases. Like, can I, I have some like, food? Let them out. Let them out every now and again to paint really you creepy. something. Yeah. Um, also, Liam Sharp's like quite a big fella, so he would take up a lot of space if he was in there. Um but yeah, I would just I would commission all of the original artwork and it would be all over the walls and probably on the ceiling as well, because there would be so much of it. But, you know, there's there's like the people that you just think, oh, if I you know, if I could afford to have some artwork by you, like original artwork, that's what I would do. Um, yeah, that's where all my money would go. All of it. It's a good plan. It is a good plan. I like yeah. it. Like, who is who is next with a really nice answer? That was a good one. Uh, Aaron, do you want to go? Sure, I would move. So, <laughs> uh, um, I would. I guess it would depend on the amount of the lottery win. Um, uh, limitless. Let's put it that. Okay. Way. So I would find my own island of Krakoa somewhere <laughs> and uh, pretty much build out whatever the hell I wanted to. But short of that. Uh, I don't know. I think it would just – I don't necessarily know if it would be a cave. I think it would be a separate house uh, you know, in and of itself. And I think I would basically – porn set. Well, I was getting there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, buy all sorts of equipment, have sort of a – I don't know, Bob, do you remember the old uh, – the, the way uh, in the old Batman series, the way Barbara Gordon's uh, closet would spin in and out? Yeah. There would be, there would yeah. be that uh, secret entrance. You know, so I'd have that situation going on. But I think I would have like a space for I've thought about this in the past. I'd have a space for every sort of nerd thing. I think I would have like the ultimate space for, you know, anything gaming that I would do, even though I'm not as much of a gamer as others. But I have an ultimate space for all things comics and an ultimate space for all things collectible. I think I would want everything orderly and in its space and just make it the most comfortable, you know, of all places to do each one of those things. Meaning that when I'm ready to sort of just sit down and and squat and go through, you know, some books, you know, the most comfortable of all sorts of seating arrangements, the most comfortable of all sorts of arrangements for gaming, all that stuff to sort of build out to the, to the extreme. Um, and then again, I, I think I, I think it goes, with, I think all of us probably to some degree just, you know, identify, you know, the artwork. For example, I would literally put Jamal Campbell on salary and just say, here, just draw some things, you know, <laughs> spend a couple days, just draw some things. And, uh, you know, put that around the house. But, um, yeah, I think it would just be a work in progress, though. But, yeah, just the ultimate of everything that I would need to do to do all the things that I love to do. Awesome. Amazing. Steve, what do you think? So one of the things that I kept or keep coming back to, rather, is um, 
I've been to Maine a number of times in Bangor uh, for some doctor's appointments back in the day. And one of the things that you do when you're in Bangor, Maine, is you go to Stephen King's house. And one time you go there and you see him unloading his groceries. So <laughs> apparently, I don't know if this is 100% true, but I, I think it is. He owns the property that's adjacent to his house. And there is a tunnel or, or walkway that connects the two. And his basement is kind of this museum to to his stuff. I, I Like I said, I don't know if this is 100% true, but that is kind of my way of handling this question. I would very much like to move somewhere where I could make separate properties and I would have that that wall that moves. You pull you pull the book on the bookcase and you know all of a sudden the, the wall goes away and you can walk through this tunnel and it's lined with like Sarah was saying original artwork, maybe a few artists and trapped in glass doing their thing. <laughs> and uh mm-hmm. I would have lots of... I love water. I love swimming. I love being in pools, specifically, not the ocean so much. But I feel the most comfortable when I'm in water. So I would have lots of waterfalls creating like this nice white noise reading material that you can listen to while you sit in these comfy-ass sumo chairs, maybe. And maybe in the vein of some kind of like comic book atrium where you have like butterflies and nice flowers and everything all around. And it is just this utopia library of sorts with lots of spiral staircases going all over the place and hidden compartments and fun things that you can pull on kind of like a a Disney's haunted mansion or whatever you pull on the candelabra and all of a sudden the Batman stuff comes out. Uh, Everything's encased in glass so that the butterflies don't get to them and poop on them or whatever, and um, that's that's kind wow. of where it, kind of where it starts. And um, I would definitely have some kind of a like bar and or wine cellar, or maybe like a little pub down there. That there's just there's always some kind of Jeeves or somebody, uh, you know working there or whatever and they can they can fix drinks and you can just relax and because i have so much money i don't have to work for joe blow anymore and i can just read and be happy and take care of my friends that would be that would be the way that i would go how about you Bob? Awesome. awesome as well i'm with everybody else i would first of all have to buy a house big enough to store all this crap that's already here when carolyn was here for the first time when she was researching superwomen she walked into my living room and said, this is more physical media I've ever seen in one place outside of a store. Yep. And it, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot here. There's no question. So, yeah, get a new house, certainly. I I want a, a library, an actual honest-to-goodness library on two stories with one of those big rolling ladders. And, of course, you have to have a librarian for this because there's, you just need one. You have to have one, like you're saying with a Jeeves or so on and so forth. So I have to have, to have that. I'd want a full home theater, concession stand, the whole thing, lots of seats, line the walls with all my movie junk and posters and so on and so forth. Um, have, the, have the means, while I'm at that, to have an outdoor drive-in, too. 
<laughs> not full size, but just enough that people could your friends could pull up in their cars. You could have a drive in and a little carousel, the whole mess. And with everyone else, have to have every hallway lined with artwork. We could rotate it around and maybe have one actual art room. And now, now that I have this, I don't know, stately Wayne Manor going on. I mean, <laughs> on the on the grounds, you know, I know Sarah was upset with me when I mentioned kitties before, but I would want to be able to have enough property to rescue every kind of animal I could and have someone to care for. Aww. Them. Aww. Yeah. And in that mix, I'm going to throw out, I need, I need a fennec. Without any question, I need a fennec fox. Aww. If you go, you go look what they look like. They are incredible little animals that live in the desert. And they're just ridiculous looking, but gorgeous. So I'm picturing the wing where like the new animals are born and being taken care of. And Jurassic Park? No, like no, but like their wide open cages being like all the comics that you don't like is kind of like the shredded newspaper of that area of the manor, and it's just littered all over the place with comic yes. book pages that have been shredded. And anyway, no, it, they could they could read them while they were pooping. It would be great. There you go. There you go. So, that's my idea. So thank you, Steve, for the lovely question. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Thank you for keeping on us about it. <laughs> Keep it a like, question to let go by. I was like, eh, I get like that sometimes. Uh, we've also, we'll do one more, and then we're going to get out of here. Uh, Mr. Joey Burcino, who was not here this week, mm. says, awkward questions you get. When you tell the plebeians you host a comic book podcast, <laughs> does anybody who gets awkward questions when somebody finds out that they're a part of a comic book podcast? I um, do. I haven't really, to be honest with you. I'm trying to think. Me either. What happened with you, Sarah? Um, the three questions that I get. The first one is, "Oh wow, do you make loads of money from that?" That's normally the first <laughs> That's one. awkward. That is awkward. Um, the second one I generally get at um, conventions, which is, can you talk about my book? Um, which yeah. isn't always awkward, but it can be awkward. Um, and the third one is, oh, yeah, have you read and then just names like a really random book or asks me some kind of fake geek girl based question about, you oh. know, who wrote a specific issue of a book that came out 25 years ago. And that just gets really awkward because I have to do the whole, you know, just because I do podcasts about comics doesn't mean I've read every single book ever. Also, I don't really know what day it is right now, let alone titles of books that I read 10 years ago. Those are those are like my my awkward ones that I tend to get. How about you, Bob? Have you uh, experienced anything? Well, the closest to awkward was a story I've told before. But one day I was sitting at the local craft beer establishment with my books spread all over the, the, the table in front of me. And the fellow sitting behind me starts to going to, as Sarah says, asking those sort of gatekeeper questions. At least it, it struck me that way. Oh, I, I see you're into comics, and you know, I know someone who is a, is a comic book writer, and so on and so forth. We used to be in a, an improv troupe together. I'm going, oh, here we go. It's going to be something. You may, maybe you've heard of her, Kelly Sue DeConnick? <laughs> but, yeah. no, I'm not familiar. Can you, what is she, yeah, what is she yeah. written? So I, I gave him my card, and he, he, we had a little chat, and he walked over to the bar, 
and then came back because he apparently didn't believe me. And so he had taken a picture and sent it to Kelly Sue, huh. who said, you, you should buy Bob a beer. He's a nice guy. <laughs> Interesting. So that, it, that turned out better than it began. But I've, I have the job I have because I put talking comics on my resume mm-hmm. to get real work. But I, I had to change. My home is heated with propane. So I was getting uh, shafted by my local company for $4 a gallon a couple of years ago. And I was told to try this other company. So I called and the fellow was very appreciative of the problem I was having. Oh, we can we can cut that in half and you don't have to have a contract and so on and so on and so forth. He says out of nowhere, your voice sounds familiar. Do you do a podcast? Went, yeah, uh, talking comics. I listen every week. <laughs> <laughs> And it's okay. And oh, by the way, I was having this trouble with the, the, the thing. It's my thermostat, but it's actually it's got to be something not mechanical. It's something electronic in the in burner. And the next day, the fellow who knew our podcast had sent his father, the president of the company, here to fix it for nothing. Wow. Aww. Wow. Yeah. And the father looked around my nerd cave living room full of stuff, and he went, "Your house looks like my son's." And I'm not sure that's a compliment. <laughs> okay, <laughs> no, we had a, we had a lovely conversation. So I've had uh, uh, one random awkward moment that turned better, but really nothing, nothing much. And again, maybe it's just I'm old and no one wants to offend me. I don't know. Could be. <laughs> uh, going back to Aaron, super quick, Aaron. Since you've been doing this show regularly, like, do you do you tell people that you're on the show now? Well, also, keep in mind, I started doing the show during lockdown. So yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not exactly <laughs> walking the streets or anything like that with a feather boa on saying, hey, by the way, listen to this podcast. Oh, you should um, do that when the lockdown is lifted, though. Yeah, we, want, we want pictures, too. Listen, you don't know my life. So, I've talked to, I mean, I've, I've mentioned it to friends. Um, I'm trying to think. The only odd question I've got, well, first of all, they're all just like, oh, wow, this is really cool. What's it about? So I tell them it's all the nerd stuff. Some of them are aware of my nerd proclivities. You know, some of them are not. When they're always like, oh, what's the name of it? I'm like, search for it. I'm going to make you work. Um, but, you know, I tell them and, you know, maybe they're listening. Hopefully they're listening. Um, I had one friend uh, who was an old college friend of mine. The first thing he asked was, will you do an entire episode on Jenna Coleman from Doctor Who? And I'm like, that's oddly specific and a little creepy. So let's end this call right now. So, <laughs> but um, but that was pretty much it. I th- I suspect probably if I was, you know, this was more of a normal year and, you know, out and about doing more normal things. And maybe that would be different. But, you know, didn't get to go to the local cons here. I'm not going to get to go to what would be in a couple of weeks, you know, the big event. So mm-hmm. yeah. maybe next year, maybe 2021. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah, I think the biggest the biggest one for me that I've gotten over the years, uh, it's going to be Talking Comics' ninth birthday on October 17th next month. So oh, wow. coming around. And so, you know, we've, we've encountered a lot of stuff, especially in the early days. And one of the biggest ones from people that don't necessarily know what we do, it's not necessarily a question, it's more of a comment, of you mentioned that you do a comic book podcast and whenever somebody hears comics they go oh so you're like the big bang theory 
Oh, gosh. Oh. <laughs> and I can't tell you how much offense I take to that exclamation. I do not like that show, and we are nothing like the Big Bang Theory. But I do understand why people would assume that based on how popular that show is, and that is kind of a lot of people who are not connected to this stuff. That is their window into our world. I will just say for the record that that show is a misrepresentation of a lot of us, and I'm glad that it's no longer on the air. Yeah, that's a very extreme show. Yeah, and it's it's completely unfunny in every single facet of reality. Anyway, um, <laughs> not to dunk too much on the Big Bang Theory, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I thought quite a bit about this question, and the thing that I keep coming around to is that I, I'm even after doing this for so long, I'm still kind of baffled by finding out that we have not necessarily new listeners, but every now and again, somebody will will speak up and be like, "Oh, I listen to you guys every week," and I just like really. <laughs> not, not necessarily why, because I love what we do, and I think that we. We offer, you know, a great show, and, and I, I think that we do a lot to put ourselves out there and, and be honest about who we are and how we feel about these books and, and whatnot. But, like, I was speaking with Michael Conrad uh, not too long ago, finding out that he's a huge fan of the show, and I was I was really touched by that. Uh, I don't want to give away a guest that's upcoming to the show, but Sarah has someone that she's been in constant contact with uh, over the past little while and found out as a major fan of this show. And whenever I hear that kind of stuff, I it really helps me to take stock in, in what we do here, how we do it. And it helps to uh, silence some of the maybe one-star reviews that exist about this show <laughs> on the internet. And uh, Sarah, you sounded like you were about to say something. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I think a friend of mine in the week said to me that he was thinking of starting up a podcast. And I literally, I said to him, don't do it because it takes up so much time and you don't realize what goes into actually putting a show out. And that was a, like, it came across as being really negative. Yeah, yeah. But it shouldn't be because this show is so much fun to do and Ladies of Our Hallow is so much fun to do. Um, but I think part of it is that people don't realize what goes in in the background to doing it but also when i'm recording this i sometimes forget that people listen yeah so um so when we did the whole thing about unstoppable wasp and i basically came out on the show to all you guys i kind of forgot that people were listening and then the day the show came out i got a message from jeremy whitley and i was like oh crap i just told people that <laughs> <laughs> I remember I asking it. you if you wanted me to keep that in the show. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, it's fine, yeah. And then he sent me a message, and he, 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 honestly, he sent me a message, and he just put, I'm proud of you. And I was just like, oh, man, people actually listen. But then good things come of that as well, because I've spoken about stuff on the show before that, that's been quite personal, difficult to talk about. And then people have got in touch with me and said, you know, I'm glad you talked about that because of this. Or I've been feeling like that and I didn't know how to explain it. And now I know I'm not the only one. 
and that's always that's always so lovely um and that was kind of why i talked about the two books i talked about today because that they're important subjects and they're subjects that mean a lot to me um and you know maybe us talking about that might connect with someone um i know bob i don't know if you're aware but when we talked a lot about on the um wonder woman show for valhalla about parenthood and not having children we had quite a few people reach out to us and say you know i thought i I was the only one that felt like that and it was really good to hear that actually there are other people in the same situation and and that it can be difficult um that's amazing so yeah sometimes there are awkward questions and sometimes people do get a bit gatekeepy but Mm -hmm. that just gets all swept away by the lovely people that do send us nice messages and do get in touch and say I enjoy listening to the show and you know thanks for continuing to put it out and and that kind of thing so yeah it's good yeah you know it's it's funny like we get uh, emails every now and again of people asking for podcast advice they want to start their own show and want to know how they can go about it and things like that and sometimes I find it difficult to answer those questions but if i had to boil it down and i i I do think this is something that we've been doing here from the get-go is to just be yourself and just make the show that you want to make uh don't forget that you have an audience because you don't want to go into uh you know too private territory that you're you're not willing to share with (laughs) your listenership uh but you know, podcasting can be a, a very comforting thing, especially during this time where we can't see each other. We don't have a New York City Comic Con this year. And, you know, this is the way that we keep in touch. And, and we've just we've decided to take our hangouts and share them with with all of you guys listening out there. And, you know, hope that you're entertained and that we don't come off like a bunch of. Never mind. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's enough from me. Uh, I think we're done. I think we're we're going to talk about so. what books we're coming up uh, on this week, and then we're going to wrap it up. So, uh, Aaron, what are you picking up? So, I hope this list is accurate because I was trying to pull it all together from a, a variety of sources that you know maybe reputable who can tell i don't know um so i think aquaman 63 uh wonder woman 763 um i think uh a wonder woman 1984 book is coming out this week it it is supposed to be due so we'll we'll see we will see we will see how that goes in the uk okay so we'll we'll give that a shot um ff24 X Factor number four, and then I think I saw Strange Academy number three is coming out. Yep, yep. Which I completely forgot that book existed, so I was very happy that it was coming out. Uh, Legion of Superheroes number nine, and then there's an image book that I saw that sort of caught my attention: the Department of Truth. Yes. Uh, so I'm, <gasps> that is I'm, so good. Yeah, I'm gonna give that a shot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's about it. Right on, uh, Sarah. How about you? Um, I. I've actually read the first two issues of Department of Truth. First two? Um, I know. Wait, yeah. what? Who? Uh, retailer. Oh, um. Man, every now and again, <laughs> I forget how, how cool Sarah is. <laughs> I'm so not cool. But yeah, totally worth it. 
pretty, pretty good. Um, so I will be picking up uh, Wonder Woman 763. Um, there's an avant-garde graph on, graphic novel called Down to the Wire coming out, which basically sort of wraps up everything that happened. Does anyone else remember avant-garde? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, like, yeah, super gay basketball book. That's coming out as a graphic novel to wrap the story up. Uh, Sabrina, something wicked, number three. Ludocrats, five of five. Peak Gillen. Um, and also Alienated, number six of six, from Cy Sparia and Chris Wildgoose, which I just, I love them so much. Nice. I love this book. I love the creators. I'm very excited about it. Um, I've actually only read the first three issues. I'm waiting for, for number six to come out so Same. I can just sit down and really dive in and read all of them. Um, but yeah, that's that's a relatively light week for me. Um, but pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. wonderful. I sadly do have that Wonder Woman coming in for me. Um, we'll see where we go from there. I think I'm one more issue definitely in Wonder Woman 1984 special, FF24, and... According to some sources, Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, number three by Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti. Yes. Uh, for me, I also have Alienated number six. I believe that's the final issue. It is, yeah. Okay. Uh, Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, number three. John Constantine, Hellblazer, number ten. One of the best series of the year. They shouldn't have canceled it. Oh, good. Have you have you caught up with it? No, I'm still behind. I'm the worst. Oh. Remember? Oh! But while I remember, guess what Sarah finally started reading? What's that? Thor. Mighty Thor. Yes. Nice. <laughs> Wait a minute. I Mighty Thor. Are you reading the stuff before that? No, because oh. I thought I'd read Mighty Thor number one. Because nobody told me there was a six-issue miniseries that I had to read before it because comics are so welcoming to new oh. readers, so it made absolutely no sense. Sarah. Yeah, well, I'm 16 issues in now. I'm not going to go back and read something else. Oh, you can man. pick it up. You're you're in good shape. Oh, but you gotta you gotta be there for when the the, the god butcher comes. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see what else. Ascender number thirteen. Chew number three. Department of Truth number one. Ludocrats number five. The final issue of Mirka and Dolfo's Mercy is coming out. Uh, Nailbiter returns number five. FF number twenty four. Shang Chi number one. Strange Academy number three, and I did take Wonder Woman off of my list, but because everybody else is going to read it and we're going to talk about it, I'm going to do that too. <laughs> so, we will have words. Yeah, pressure. Look, I really, I really hope that that book can can be turned around. We've seen it happen before. Uh, I'm not rooting for it to be bad by any stretch of the imagination. I just am kind of blown away by how off-putting I find that book so far. You know, maybe it would help if Etta Candy didn't look like a swollen thumb. All right. Yes, that would help. <laughs> We're not help. going there again. We're Does not anybody, going there again. Anybody have any closing Triggered. statements? Triggered. Anything they want to share? Any birthdays they want to wish? No? Oh, the silence. <laughs> uh, it was Supergirl's birthday last week. That we didn't say on the day that they announced that her show was ending. So it was not oh, good. What a nice birthday present. 
Uh, we've reached the end of this week's edition of the Talking Comics Podcast. As always, you can send us your comments or questions through our email, podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. We do read them, and we do eventually bring them to the show. We are also on Twitter at Talking Comics. We've also got TalkingComicBooks.com where you can find reviews and features from our fantastic contributors. Also, if you like hearing people talking to your ear holes, you might want to go and check out Talking Valiant, D&D Adventure, and of course, the ladies of Valhalla who are releasing a new episode when this comes out Friday. Yes, yes we are. <laughs> Buckle in, folks, because it's a long one. Holy shit! And if listen, do yourself a fever. A fever, go and check out mm, their Patreon now. page. They've got all kinds of goodies on there. You can get the ladies after dark for five bucks, and you've got merch now. We've got merch now. We got t-shirts. We got hoodies. We got masks. We got stickers. We're merched up to the nines. Yeah, I'm going to have to talk to Jess about uh, maybe merching up some some talking comic stuff and uh, throwing some uh, some coin her way for her troubles. Because uh, we definitely need to get at least a, li- a little bit of business going on uh, on that end of things, I think. Uh, if you would be into some talking comics merch, let us know. What do you want? You want a coffee mug? You want a shirt? You want a hat, you want a mask, you want stickers, you want uh, action figures. <laughs> Those are probably, I, I, those are probably I, I, I want talking comic scotch, that's what I want. Yeah, ooh. Remember when we were almost sponsored by Fireball Whiskey? Yes, that, that lasted for about ten days. Yeah, they, and they, they stopped sending us. Oh, we would love to do business with you. <laughs> that was it. At least we got some free alcohol out of it and then that alcohol actually turned out to be really bad for people i think i think i read that somewhere oh good yeah great great so that that would have been a real real swift move for us hey everybody go and drink fireball whiskey by the way it might kill you uh so another uh, dark turn bob where can our listeners find you old-fashioned email bob ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com aaron aaron j amos at twitter sarah uh, you can find me everywhere that media is social at Geek Country Lady and also on the Ladies of Valhalla social media where I just whittle on about nonsense and will be talking Twilight. <sighs> uh, Joey is at Joey Bracino on, I believe, Instagram and Twitter. Jessica is at Jarska for all the things, while Bronwyn is at Shiny Baby B. I am at Dead underscore Anchorus on stuff. Uh, so, for Bob. Happy birthday, Mom. For Aaron. Why? Just why? Because he loves to hit it, hit it, hit us with it. Right at the end. <laughs> Tears. Happy birthday, Bob's mom. Happy birthday, Bob's Thanks, mom. For, uh, for Sarah. That's the way go. Thank you so much for listening. Be excellent to each other. Stay safe out there. Stay vigilant. And we will catch you next time on the Talking Comics Podcast. Thank you all for being here. To be continued.
Anyway, let's get this, uh... This kitten off to the... I got nothing. Alright. Kitten off to the abattoir. Yeah! Kitten off to the milk factory. No! I like kittens. Everyone likes kittens. I'm just being ridiculous. What do you mean, just a kitten? Wow. (laughs) Things got real serious and real adorable in here real quick. Oh, don't use that voice. All right. You're going to melt my heart. (laughs) (laughs) Can you give me your best Oliver Twist impression, Sarah? Go blimey, governor. It's Oliver Twist. Please, sir. Can I have some more? There it is. That's exactly (laughs) what I wanted. That's my Christmas. I'll take care of it. (laughs) 